You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. I couldn't think of a very good sound to do because I feel like I've got the stench of like a hot pile of garbage in mid-July in my nostrils after watching that game. Anyway, maybe we'll have some other stuff to talk about, like Andrew with a bag on his head. So that's my co-host, Daniel Hargrove. Uh, I'm Justin Domashevitz. Our producer is going 0-16 Detroit Lions with a bag over his head after that Seahawks performance. Now, there was a Daniel that was very successful this week in the NFL. That was Daniel McCoy. Was he, though? Yeah, he led his team to Uh, a victory over the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not sure if he did much of anything to to get that, but we'll have plenty to talk about that, ranting and raving as well as other random stuff that Justin wants to talk about because I'm just upset about things. But let's get it going with the two-minute drill as I take off my Seahawks jersey. Let's go, let's go, let's go, hello! Gun duel right, gun duel right. Three jet Buckeye, don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Richard Sherman told NBC Sports that it's unlikely he'll be able to re-sign with the San Francisco 49ers in the offseason. Daniel, should the Seahawks try to bring Sherman back as a free agent? Um, no. Justin, how old is Adrian Peterson? Ah, that's not the question. Can't even read my own question <laughs> that I typed in here. Justin, how is Adrian Peterson, who's 105 in running back years, still good? He's really not that good. Did you see that run today? No, but he's, <sighs> I mean, in general, he's averaging like three and a half yards a carry. He scored his fifth touchdown. It is impressive that a 35-year-old, so someone who is 105 in running back years, is still doing this. I, I think, you know... It might be irresponsible to say, but I'm going to say he's on steroids. (laughs) What? The Houston Rockets and Washington Wizards have swapped star point guards in a trade. Daniel, would you rather have John Wall or Russell Westbrook? I would rather have John Wall. I'll take the injury concerns with a player that can actually shoot from the outside. Somebody that the defense might have to worry about instead of every time he gets the ball at the three-point line and the defense goes, yeah, shoot it, bro. We're sitting in the key. You can't do squat. I want a guy like that who also likes to pass and when it's not just about trying to get a triple-double. ESPN football analyst. Also, Russell Westbrook's just a cancer to any team he goes to, and they'll never win a title. He never will. ESPN football analyst Dan Orlovsky made waves on Thursday when he said decisively that Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey is the best non-quarterback football player in the league. Justin. What? Uh, I think he's wrong. I think there's probably a handful of defensive players, especially defensive linemen like, I don't know, Aaron Donald or TJ Watt, who I would probably put ahead of him. I'm not even really sure if he's the best non-quarterback on his own team because he plays with Tyreek Hill, and I'm not even sure he's the best tight end in the league because you can make a pretty good argument for George Kittle. So I don't think he's right, but also it's one of those arguments that any side can be argued and everyone's right and everyone's wrong. So yeah, Dan Orlovsky is right, also wrong. I would rather have Kittle. I'm sorry. 
I think Andrew's having a hard time seeing through his bag. <laughs> he can't see through his bag to find the buzzer sound. <laughs> He's got a He's so embarrassed, though. He told us before the show he refuses to have to show his face on camera because he's so ashamed to be a Seahawks fan today. Well, I didn't uh, bring another shirt. Are you wearing, wearing a Seahawks, Seahawks shirt? shirt. Oh, okay. So. I took off my jersey because, A, I wanted to make a statement, but also not really. I was really hot. It's really hot in this room. <laughs> well, Justin, I'm, w- I'm wearing Monty gear, so I'm fine. Shocker. Justin, who would you uh, want? John Wall, Russell Westbrook. I'd rather have neither. So I actually like your answer because John Wall hasn't played a basketball game in something like 700 days. So you basically can pretty much guarantee he's not going to be on the court very much. And like you said, you and I share a very similar opinion of Russell Westbrook. He's a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal player, but the way he plays is not conducive to winning basketball. And he went and tried to share the court with James Harden for a season and Obviously, that fell apart in one year. So when he go went to try to play with another star, for whatever reason, even though it looked like on the court they were moderately successful until the playoffs, uh, it just it fell apart. So now Westbrook is out. Harden wants out too. Um, they were apparently buddies but couldn't play together. So I think Westbrook, like you said, and at this point in his career, I don't think it's that much of a reach to say definitively Russell Westbrook will never win a title because he's definitely on the backside of his career. But keep in mind, listeners, we've been saying this for years. Russell, The way Russell Westbrook plays basketball is not going to win you a title. So unless he has a massive shift in his mindset and the way that he goes about his business and proves that he can play a different way, I wouldn't ever want him on my team. Absolutely. Speaking of wanting someone on your team, Richard Sherman, where are you at with that one? I would love to have Richard Sherman back. I don't know if I would want them to tie a bunch of money up in Richard Sherman, but I like the idea of having him back. I think he's still good. And it's not like he's having some kind of a bad breakup with San Francisco. He just basically said, hey, I've loved my time here. I I just feel like the writing's on the wall that it's probably not going to work out for me to be able to sign back. I think he's a fine player. I do not see a way that he comes back into this front office and says, oh, yeah, uh, all of the things that I completely disrespected you about this coach, I think Pete Carroll would take him back, but I don't think Richard Sherman is the type of guy to be like, yeah, you know, I might have been wrong. I'll come play for you again and totally buy into your philosophy and not tell everybody else on the team how much of an idiot you are. At least he would play press coverage. Yeah, that's true. I, I I think you're right. I think you're probably but right. But like attitude wise, it's probably not going to happen. But as far as like talent on the field, yeah, I still like to have him. There's never been a question of talent on the field with him. I feel kind of like Daniel, but <laughs> I do bad. think basically I think they should totally be open to the idea if Richard Sherman comes to them. <laughs> And says, it's so hard. To, it's so hard to. I, Andrew, I have no idea what you said. I've always respected you, Pete. <laughs> I'd love to play for you guys. If he did that, then I would love to see Richard Sherman come back. Yeah, I just think I don't think the Seahawks should be even reaching out to his agent. It's extra funny because like we have the visual of the bag over your head, <laughs> but also it's a tiny bit echoey. Yeah. So great. it's a. This is a good gag. <laughs> Will you wear it again next week, even if the Seahawks win? Well, could you imagine if they lost to the Jets? Like, the Giants is one thing. 
But the Jets literally The Jets just couldn't... threw the game at the end of the game to yeah. this, today. There's no way. Like, what I... was there, nine seconds left? <laughs> nine seconds left, 50 yards away from the end zone, and they blitz eight guys. What? Yeah. yeah, they they got a call from the front office, like a baseball general manager. If don't you dare you win this doing? game! Yeah, jeez. Well, yeah. I do you think I mean now paid. Who does Trevor Lawrence play for? Clemson. Do yeah. you think that they're getting huge kickbacks from Clemson to keep Trevor Lawrence in college for another year? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I know that we're in this block. We're in this. This was the second game of the four weeks of. Games that were supposed to be really winnable, okay. like automatic wins. Before and- you say what you're about to say, what? I am more upset that the Seahawks lost because you said they were going to lose one of these yeah. games. But I said they were going to lose one. So now if they lose another one out of the next two, I'm going to look like a freaking idiot. Yeah, but you predicted what <laughs> nobody would have predicted, that they would lose one of these set of four easy games. I also got the Buffalo game right. Yeah, you can suck it with the <laughs> Buffalo game. All right, the last, last show might have been screw you listeners, but this show might be you can suck it, Justin. Okay. <laughs> I like that. We can roll with that one. Well, let's wait move on s- to Stump Daniel then. Wait a second. maybe, But it's not Justin's fault that the Seahawks pooped themselves. Yeah, but we can blame him. All right. Anyway, let's move on to Stump I, Daniel. I blame people for all for things all the time when it's not their fault. So, <laughs> so seems fair. Play that Stump Daniel imaging. Justin, what are we gonna do next? Uh, we're gonna Stump Daniel. All right. Dang it. <clears throat> we still. Don't have... It's gonna work someday. No, this is doubtful. obscure NFL stats trivia, Daniel. Okay. I have four <laughs> questions for you. You have a total of five possible points. And I don't think I it's, like points. Yeah, so I don't think it's fair. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to grade this uh, like a test because then you get one wrong and all of a sudden it's a B minus. You get two wrong and all of a sudden you basically fail. So, but I thought you created this to never be fair anyway. No, yes, I did. <laughs> but I'm gonna set this up. It's gonna be like golf. We're gonna say this is a par three. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so if you get four right, then you're one better than par, which means you get a birdie. If you get all five of them, you get an eagle. If you get two right, it's a bogey, and if you get one right, it's a double bogey. Got it. Because I'm tracking. Because I like to try to make sure that the scoring system is a little bit more convoluted every single week. So because. today we're going to go golf scoring because reasons. Yeah. We're pivoting from Stump Daniel to screw you listeners. Screw- yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should rename this segment. <laughs> okay. All of these stats are via ESPN Stats and Info on Twitter. Here's your first question, Daniel. This player has thrown four touchdown passes in one half twice this season. No other player has one such performance. But this player has thrown four touchdown passes in one half twice this season. Patrick Mahomes. Not correct. Poop. Good guess. The answer is Baker Mayfield. What? Who threw four touchdown passes in the first half against my Tennessee Titans this week. Yikes. And also threw four touchdown passes in the second half of a week seven win against Cincinnati. So you're you're 0 for 1. Dang. Adrian Peterson. Here's your next question. Oh, another AD, Adrian Peterson reference Adrian this Peterson has now rushed for at least five touchdowns in a season 11 times. 
Wow. Which ties him with Walter Payton for third on the all-time list in that category. Which two players are ahead of Adrian Peterson and Walter Payton on that list? So fifth, uh, Adrian Emmett Peterson. Smith? Yes, Emmett Smith is one of them. Jim Brown? That is not correct. The other one is Marcus Allen. So right now you're one out of three. Okay. You got to you got to get the next two to save par. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm scrambling. This NFL team held a nine to nothing lead after the first quarter of this week's matchup. It was both the largest lead they have held and the most points they have scored in any first quarter this season. So a nine to nothing lead for this team at the end of the first quarter. Nine points was the largest lead they've held all season. And it was the most points they've scored in a first quarter this year. I'm going to say the New York Jets. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not correct. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was going to be my other guess. Yeah, they ended up losing. Uh, They were up 9-0, but they ended up losing 27-24 in overtime against the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Glennon's not good. Also, Andrew's got girls messaging him, okay, I love you, on his on his phone here. How many girls? Uh, at least one. <laughs> Who knows? But... Let's speculate wildly. Right? Maybe it's 20. I mean, if we... I've been looking at his phone for like 15 minutes, so we can then assume that he gets one of these messages... Every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, final question. Daniel. Well played. If you make this putt, you can have a bogey. Okay. If you miss this putt, it's a double bogey. I feel like I'm more like chipping in at this point. This quarterback is 3, 12, and 1 in his career when rushing for less than 40 yards. And eight and four in his career when rushing for forty or more yards. This quarterback is three twelve and one in his career when rushing for less than forty yards, and eight and four in his career when rushing for forty or more. So think about that total number yeah, of games. Yeah, I there. think it. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is correct. Yes. And you have a bogey. You're playing bogey golf. I'll take it. If I went out there and played bogey golf, I'd be totally happy with that. You know, I always try and play bogey golf. <laughs> that is my goal. Aim high. By the way, speaking of Kyler Murray, thanks a lot, Cardinals, for not holding up your end of the deal here. Yeah, sheesh. That's going to do it. I've been stumped with a bogey, but am I happy about it? I don't know. Will I have an athlete of the week coming up next? Maybe. I have a random nomination. <laughs> I'm going to save it. It's super random. You're going to save it. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z. L-A-W.com. And we're back. Thank you very much to our sponsors, the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz, as well as Oli Penn Real Estate, the sponsor of the Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Were you saying you're going to save your nomination for a further No, for that, for after future? the commercial. Oh, so you're going to do it. We are going to do one. Then. Yeah. Okay. I have a nomination, but you are the judge. So I will nominate this player and you will decide whether or not to accept them as athlete of the week. All right, let's do it. Okay. 
Going back pretty far. Eh, no, I'm just, no, I'm okay. just kidding. Well, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back a ways here because this would have been pretty early on when you and I started covering games together. Okay. But how about former Aberdeen Bobcat, Mo Donovan? Mo Donovan. So Mo Donovan played on a basketball team with, uh, I believe it was in the same era as uh, Emily Fisher and okay. Hannah Tomatich. Yeah, I'm remembering this And now. she was their point guard. Yeah. So the thing I remember, and uh, this is this is off the cuff, so we don't have like how many times she was all league or anything. Yeah, no stats in front of us. Their team was, their basketball team was pretty good. Not like top of the league good, yeah. but they were pretty good. And the thing I remember the most about Mo Donovan was she was like, as a guard, she was just super aggressive. And she seemed like physical and mean and nasty on the basketball court. And I just thought, you know, I would not like to run into Mo Donovan in a dark alley because I think <laughs> she would kick my butt. <laughs> she and was then, aggressive. And that seems to be, it seems like we have a lot of point guards that we. When we see a point that's aggressive we gravitate and it, hard-nosed yeah, and, sure. like, tough, we definitely like that type of player, and that's exactly what she was. <laughs> and you did not want to mess with her on the court. Yeah, and she was a slasher and a distributor, and she could shoot from the outside a little bit. The thing I remember the most about Mo was she was that way in basketball. Like, I always felt like that was her basketball persona. Like, angry, mean, nasty, physical, tough. She was the first one who was going to dive on the ground underneath somebody to get a basketball. And at the at the time, I was working for the Daily World as well. And I covered f some fast pitch games. And I remember seeing Mo Donovan at a fast pitch game, and she was a really good softball player. And she had a pink ribbon in her hair and she was smiling and happy and bubbly. And I went out there to talk to the coach and she said hi and gave me a nice smile and a wave. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> this this is, is not basketball, Mo Donovan. She was the first player I can remember that was a different person when she played basketball and when she played softball. Interesting, because it was just like complete mind shift change. Yes. Mindset change. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think she was, a, this is going back a ways, I think she was a pitcher. I remember her being one of the best players or the best player on a very good Aberdeen fast pitch team. But I know you and I would remember her together most from basketball because that's the sport we covered together. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's. It's our Oli Penn Real Estate Athlete of the Week. Off the cuff, Justin coming up with Mo Donovan, Aberdeen high school basketball player, also fast pitch player, and apparently vastly different <laughs> <laughs> for both of them how mean she was. No, she was, she was a beast, really. Please nobody tell Mo that we talked about her in this segment because I think she's going to be like, what the heck? Why is that guy <laughs> slandering me? <laughs> And not mean, but, you know, aggressive on the court. Anyway. I think I used the words mean and nasty to describe her, didn't yes, I? It, yeah, you did. Yeah. Gosh, you're just going to beat hurt. you up, That was Justin. not good. I didn't mean oh, it that way at talking? all. Oh, I, I'm sweating now. I feel bad. Uh, you know, it is like 104 degrees in here, so that might be that, too. Okay. Shall we get to the Seahawks game? It is now time for Daniel Hargrove oh, to overreact. I, was, I did not know about this, but I am ready. What? The New York Giants? Are you freaking kidding me? And don't tell me, oh, they've been improved. They've been beating other trash teams. You put up 12 points. 
Check that. Your offense put up 10 points against the New York Giants. Russell Wilson was 27 of 43. And most of those were little dinky checkdowns because for some reason he can't pull the trigger on anything in rhythm right now whatsoever. And if you're telling me that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Will Disley and none of those guys are open at all in rhythm ever then apparently Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are not good receivers. But we know that's not true. So why is Russell Wilson literally never throwing an in-rhythm pass, hit your back step, throw it to the guy when it's supposed to be happening, especially one that's not a little tiny check down? It was absolutely mind-numbing to watch. And then late in the game, when he's playing with... I'm sorry, a guy I've never heard of before on the offensive line. He still tried to hold on to the ball forever, and he got sacked a bunch of times for no reason. Is Russell Wilson broken? Overreaction, yes, Russell Wilson is broken. And if Seattle makes the playoffs this year because there's extended playoff positions, they will get bounced early because... That was absolute garbage, and I know Pete Carroll is going to come on and be like, oh, well, we're still in first place or right around there, and no, oh, why are you guys freaking out? Just like he does when they win games and play crappy. When they play crappy, that's what he says. I want a coach like Mike Tomlin. They won, they're undefeated, and he goes, we sucked. Because Pete Carroll telling me the opposite just makes me feel like he thinks fans are stupid. He goes, I don't know why everybody's freaking out. We're in first place. We're freaking out because we're not blind. You guys play like trash. Don't tell us otherwise and treat us like we're idiots. I have a little thing here that says that was an overreaction, but I'm not going to play it. Oh, because Andrew thinks it's right. You know why? Because he's got a bag on his head. So you think, <laughs> I can't tell how oh. much of this is hyperbole. Well, did you hear the intro? Yeah, it was an overreaction. That that was an overreaction. <laughs> Hyperbole. That was yeah. some, that was some solid hyperbole there. But what do you think about that? What was wrong in that statement? Maybe them getting bounced early or not making the playoffs? Is that what you're wondering about? They'll make the playoffs. They just scored 12 points against the Giants, Justin. Mm-hmm. They could probably lose out and make the playoffs. I want to know what the difference is between the so the the se- the season is broken into a few segments like first several games record breaking offense yeah then you have some really bad injuries you know Russell starts to get hit really hard there's a four game stretch where you lose three Russell turns the ball over a buttload of times and now we've gotten into what seems to be this third segment of the season where They've shifted a lot back to some of the old mistakes, but simultaneously are much healthier at the skill positions. Like, they're basically back to having all the skill guys back that they had at the beginning of the year, except you also have Carlos Hyde, because he was hurt a lot at the start of the year. Is it just the offensive line? Because I felt during several points of that game, like, Russell had time to throw, and he just didn't let it go. Yeah. Do you think... I mean, my feeling is he's not a guy who's ever had an issue with turnovers in his career. And all of a sudden, he's had a stretch of games where 
he's had issues with turnovers. Yeah, what is it, and 11 it picks to, now on the season? It seems to have made him hesitant. When that interception today was not his fault that's even true. remotely. That's true. And it's the second time this year he's had an interception that's not remotely his fault. But he seems hesitant to let it fly. Down Although I might argue that it was his fault because it was like his billionth check down instead of actually looking for a receiver downfield. I would I'm not, argue that you're wrong uh, because it bounced off of Carson's face. I know. And also, it I know bounced it, off the side of his face because he turned his head before the ball got yeah, there. <laughs> I, get, I get that the interception wasn't his fault. Yeah. But the only in-rhythm, in-rhythm pass he yeah. ever made was to an immediate check down. Right. Was to the player that you're supposed to go to after you looked down the field. Yeah. He never did that. So The ones where he looked down the field, he would just hold the ball forever and then get sacked. And we can't always see the whole field or even very much of the field in those instances, but I had it. I had a moment where I was like, dang it, where's Brian Greasy? I know that's going to sound weird and hear me out. I'm waiting. Because Brian Greasy has mostly been an idiot. But when the Seahawks played the Eagles, I thought the most valuable thing that Greasy did that whole game was pull up the plays where Carson Wentz had an obvious read where he should have hit a guy that was open and he didn't look at it and he went somewhere else. Yeah. And he was breaking those plays down. He did it probably three or four times throughout the course of the game. Like, you will not be successful unless you hit this guy on the seam. He's supposed to be your second read. You went straight to your fourth read. You checked it down to a running back instead. I thought that was like, okay, well, Carson Wentz, literally is playing really badly right now. But there was a play where Russ held the ball forever, and then he got, I think he got sacked or he threw it away. I can't remember what he did. Yeah. And they're replaying it, and the analyst is saying, oh, man, nowhere (laughs) to go with the ball. Meanwhile, on the top part of the screen, there's Freddie Swain standing there with nobody within at least 10 yards of him. And I'm like, are we watching the same replay? You're a professional NFL analyst, and you're going to tell me there's nowhere to go with the ball? How did Russ not see Swain over there? Yeah, because it wasn't a play that he was, like, sacked really quick. Like, he held on to the ball forever. Yeah. So, I do think that for whatever reason, whether it's just the pressure has gotten to him, the pressure of, you know, the MVP run or whatever, or the pressure from let Russ cook, or whether it's the fact that he's got turnovers in the back of his mind because it's a problem he's never had before, Russ is being overly cautious with the ball in a way I've never seen him do it before. And he's getting to the Aaron Rodgers risk aversion level. Where what was that, like last year, two years ago? Specifically towards the end of last year, where it becomes a detriment to your team when you can't cut loose when you need to, or sometimes. Anytime. And, yeah. He it, did it, and the one time he did, DK dropped it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, dear Lord. And he also had a play where, like, you know, we, we've been so spoiled by Russ being, like, virtually perfect mm-hmm. so much of the time that when things happen, like, he gets Swain in a pocket where he's beat the corner and the safety's over the top and they're trying to hit that soft spot in the zone and the play happens exactly like they want it to down the sideline. And then he overthrows him by five yards to the point where it should be a completion. Now it's an almost interception. It would have been an interception if the safety hadn't dropped the ball. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Carson, the one, the interception that he had, that shouldn't have been an interception. Yeah. That one should have been an interception. Yes. Carmel. Carmel got him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say at this point we're, we're beyond the, 
we're going to make a bunch of excuses for Russ Point because I'm not saying Russ is bad. I'm not saying that I don't like Russ or I don't want Russ anymore. I'm saying something is wrong. Something's very wrong, so right? So they need to figure out whether, between Russ and the coaching staff, they got to figure out how to get back to the offense that they were at the beginning of the season. Because if they just try to go back to Pete Carroll football and do the run, 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 never take a chance, take one shot or two shots maybe down the field a game, but mostly just try not to turn the ball over, the defense has been way better. It's not good enough to consistently win games 12 to 9. No. So they can't go back to that. They have to figure out how to go back to being great. Some version of what they were in the first five or six games of the season. Absolutely. Today they were 4 for 13 on third down and 0 for 2 on fourth down. That's another thing is like their short their red zone and short yardage play calling is baffling they to me. Used, they were in the beginning of the season, they were the best in the league at, at red zone offense. Yeah. And now they get into the red zone and they go, they literally went five wide, three plays in a row. Yeah. After Chris Carson was beasting people down the field and play action was working great. And instead they go five wide because they're like, oh yeah, why would we even want that? I don't even think Carson was on the field. I, absolutely mind numbing. And the three plays, field goal. And you're like, all right, well, at least the offense was moving. You know, that should be a sign to come. Like, this game should, you know, that shouldn't be the only time they're down there. And then you just see absolute garbage the rest of the day. I don't know how DK Metcalf had five catches for 80 yards because it didn't feel like it. You just lost to the New York Giants, who were 4-7 and seven, and basically had only beaten other NFC East teams who are all trash. And, by the way, it wasn't even Daniel Jones playing quarterback. It was Colt McCoy playing quarterback. Yeah, it was a different Daniel. It was Daniel McCoy. Do you think that McCoy. was the problem? Do you think that the, they just ha- just completely unable to play against backup quarterbacks? Well, I would say that except for <laughs> at least Colt McCoy didn't do anything in this yeah, game. Like, it wasn't that the defense played terrible. 13 the, for 22. The, the, no, thing, the defense the, had a bad quarter. The defense had a bad quarter where they got run on. Yep. And that was it. Yeah, I had Gallman on my bench. Oh, wow. But, so the defense actually, I mean, they didn't play bad. 17 points in the NFL this year is not bad. Coleman did average 8.4 yards a carry. But he had but that, that one quarter was one. bad. Yeah. That, Ooh, that quarter on, was bad. Headline on ESPN by Brady Henderson. Seahawks stunned by Giants in one of the worst losses of the Pete Carroll era. Yeah. One of? I was gar out. Oh, hey, the Giants have won four there. games in a row now, including one against a team that's at the top of their division. <laughs> the Di- Giants are leading their division. Oh man, they are the best team in the NFC East. Wow, I think it can be pr- said definitively now. They're on a four-game win streak. They kind of ruined things too, though, because I, <laughs> on the they were talking about this on the Dan Patrick show this past week, and they were saying it was still it was still possible by the numbers mathematically that the Eagles could win the division with only four wins. It was still possible, Did according the to them. the Eagles have the tiebreaker over the Giants? They have a tie. I mean, oh, okay. There wouldn't be a tiebreaker because they have right. a tie that's not a loss. So now the Eagles are going to have to get another win. They might do it. They they put Jalen Hurts in. Well, they would. They missed their automatic win because they played the Seahawks last week. Yeah. They didn't get this automatic win that the Giants got yeah, by playing against the lowly Seahawks. Yeah. They, they, well, they didn't, they didn't put in their backup quarterback. 
They played with yeah. Well, they kind of did because n- now Carson Wentz is their backup. Yeah, but then he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Seahawks anymore. Neither do I. It's just that was trash. Let's go. I like there's there's so many more. The team of realtors at Oli Penn Real Estate wish you and your family good health during this stay home, stay safe time. Their team has health and safety measures in place to protect you and everyone involved in the process. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time. There are more buyers than available homes. Many homes are still receiving multiple offers and are selling for above asking price. OliPen Real Estate will help you put the most money possible in your pocket in less time without the hassle. Visit sellmyharborhome.com to get your home market ready. The OliPen team is ready to work for you. Short and sweet, just like a tweet, that's going to be our show today, apparently. I think we're all a little too depressed and angry to have much of a full version. Thank you again to our sponsors, Oli Penn Real Estate and the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz for sponsoring us and, uh, yeah, helping us make this happen for you today, even though we're angry. I'm kind of surprised Andrew still has a bag on his head. Like, it's got to be hot in that bag, right? I'm not surprised. Anyway, let's get to the mailbag. <laughs> the mailbag. Yes, Send the mailbag. Send us your stuff. Send us your stuff in a mailbag. Justin, what do you got for us? Uh, we're going to pepper you with Francis questions this week. Francis Woo-hoo. and I, by the way, we're not on the best terms right now. <laughs> so, Wait a second. I never heard the story. Which he's one? I saw. mad at me, too. So, Francis. I'm trying, I'm trying to make up to him, but he's, he's, he's kind of mad at me. I was a little bit too happy when I was calling out packages for his truck the other day. <laughs> I, Francis uh, sent me a picture uh, last weekend, I believe. Francis sent me a picture, and it just said, uh, "Well, it was a it was a van or a truck." And what did it say on it? I love Duke or I love Shishesh. Which one? He's been writing messages <laughs> on my truck for the last several days. Yeah, and I thought I was catching him every day and cleaning him off. <laughs> And then he pointed one out to me yesterday that apparently he had done, or uh, yeah, that he apparently had done on Thursday. So I had one that <laughs> I went an entire day yes. with a pro Duke message on the back of my truck. Wow, that is so unprofessional. It gets worse though. <laughs> okay. Because he tricked my mother. See, this is when you get the mothers involved. Oh, snap. This is where you've crossed the line. And I've been ignoring Francis's text since this happened. <laughs> He's texted me several times and I'm not responding to him. Dang. Silent he treatment. ran into my mother in public and got her to text me. <laughs> Francis says, go blue devils. <laughs> and I was like, mom, how did you do? What, what are you doing? How did you let this happen? And she goes, what's a blue devil? And I was like, that's Duke, Mom. That's not okay. <laughs> so I, I texted Francis, you're a bad person, and I've been ignoring him ever since. <laughs> this coming, what, what, after the last episode or a couple episodes where you were talking about how awesome of a guy Francis is. Not anymore. And now he's the worst. <laughs> My opinion has totally changed of him. I thought oh. he was a good person. Now I know that deep down inside he's corrupt. Oh, man. So anyway, here's your first fr- question from Francis. Okay. Presents? <laughs> Christmas Eve and sleep in on Christmas morning. 
Or sleep in on Christmas or Christmas morning. And sleep in or Christmas morning. Okay, so he's okay. asking in a very <laughs> odd way. Yeah. Yeah. When do you open presents? Do you open your presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning? Yeah. And which would you prefer? Uh, growing up, uh, we always did it on Christmas Eve and slept in. It was actually weird for me when I found out that people used to get up like freaking early in the morning on Christmas to open presents because we always did it the night before. And that way I could sleep in on the day that, you know, didn't have to do anything. Which I think is a pretty good way to go. But now there's so many different families that we have to get involved with that we do presents on a normal year. Who knows about COVID year, but on a normal year... It's All hard. of the days, because you, you have to meet with like six different families. It when feels you're, like when you're married and How many you don't you have <laughs> when, when you're married and you don't have kids yet, Christmas is like. A parade, like you go into all these different places all yeah. the time. It's like Once so. You have we do own... our own Christmas, Andrew, and then we do my parents, and then we do your parents, and then we do your extended family, and then maybe your friends want to do a Christmas thing. Like it's Christmas all the time. Andrew, when do you do presents? Both Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Yeah, we've always done uh, extended family Christmas. Christmas Eve, and then uh, it's still so echoey. Like the person, like we open stockings and do like like uh, like immediate family Christmas morning, but we never did it super early. It was always like after breakfast, and like I, I never got to do the whole getting up early and opening things because I'd get in big trouble. All right, Justin. So I, I had when I was a kid what I'd never felt like it was but i think may have been kind of a unique situation in the sense that i never spent any christmas with any extended family okay because we didn't live near any of our extended family i grew up in a place where we were just kind of isolated from everyone there's very few family members from either of my parents sides that we really stayed even in touch with even so it was just us like, all, all we had to worry about was what we wanted to do, and what my parents always did with us was let us open, we would get to pick one present on Christmas Eve and open that, and then the next morning we would open everything else. And it's always tricky with that Christmas Eve present because it's like, you look at them and you, obviously you don't know what's inside. So if you open up your Christmas Eve present and it's like, I don't know, a t-shirt or something like it's uh, you wish that you had chosen a better one and you're going you to could sleep in the t-shirt but you're going that's a good point <laughs> but you're going to bed anyway so it's not like it's not like oh i need something that i can use right now it was more like i, j I gotta pick a good one and so when you <laughs> open it and it's a pack of underwear then it's like oh, i just picked wrong so you feel like you lost but yeah so that's what we did when i was growing up now we do that same thing with my kids, they open one on Christmas Eve. We do the rest on Christmas morning. And then uh, we do family stuff later in the day. But the, the thing to me is, like, I don't understand why, if you do your Christmas presents on Christmas morning, why do you have to wake up early? So when I, when I was a kid, even as a small child, like, my sisters wanted to get up at 5 o'clock. Ah. And I was like, can I please go back to bed? I don't care that there's a tree full of presents. They'll still be there when I get up at 9.45, okay? Exactly. So we had to do, we had to compromise. Like, no matter what, my sisters were up at 4.30. What? And I was like, we had to compromise. We had to find a time that meet in the middle. So it was usually like 6.30 or 7 or something. 
Jeez. But to me, it was way too early. Yeah. I never needed the presence that badly. Exactly, because you're asleep. Like, if you yeah. stay asleep, it's still just going to happen when you wake up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, can't, I don't I get also, it. Also, like, I, I, pretty much anything that involves, like, a lot of festivity or fun. Happiness. Ever yeah. since I was a very small child, I've just always felt like I was too old for that stuff. <laughs> so... I was just a little too cool to care enough about presents to get up at five o'clock in the morning. You want the next question? Yeah. Okay. This is another one from Francis. Hot cocoa. Are marshmallows a must or no way? Also, do you stir it with a candy cane? Daniel? Uh, I'm not sure marshmallows are a must, but if there's the option, you're going to put the marshmallows in there. Like... Who's the Grinch not putting marshmallows in their hot cocoa if they have the chance? Why? Andrew, bag on the head? Because hot cocoa is gross. Well, this is... You think Then hot... you don't... You're not in this situation anyway. You think hot cocoa is spiced gross? Apple, spiced apple cider? Hot, like warm... Okay. Yeah, but that's not the question. Or, yes. Hey, Daniel, I'm answering the question. You're not answering the question. Answering you're making question. up a different question. I'm answering the question the way I have been taught how to answer the question. <laughs> Okay, no, see, but what you said was two different things. You said hot cocoa is gross, and then you attempted to prove that by offering a better hot beverage. That doesn't prove it. Just because there's a hot beverage that's better doesn't mean that hot cocoa well, is gross. Also, oh, that has nothing sticky, to... And there's a better there's a better hot beverage that you have at the, in the same situations. But also, that has nothing to do with the question, which is, do you put marshmallows in your hot cocoa? Which you said, no, and why said, would you do that? No, I don't. Why would you do that? I drink... Hot I know, but cider. that wasn't the, the question. The choice was between hot cocoa and nothing, and there was no hot apple beverage. Yeah, I would have hot apple cider. No, that's not the... <laughs> or hot toddies. <laughs> I would also have hot toddies. They are delicious. Oh, my gosh. Justin, do you like marshmallows in your hot cocoa? I prefer whipped cream, and I would never stir it with a candy cane because I despise candy canes. Really? They're one of the most sticky disgusting foods possible. Like, there's almost no way to hold it and eat it without getting some amount of candy cane sticky on your hand. You bite That was it. an overreaction. I actually agree with Justin, though. But you just... I, I, I you, get that they can be sticky, but you just bite off a chunk and suck on it like any other hot I'd rather candy. have hot apple cider. <laughs> 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 Alright, last question from Francis. Board game of choice... When you and your sibling planned on staying up all night to catch a glimpse of the man in red. Monopoly was mine and my sister's all-nighter game. P.S. Man in red has some skills. Probably a shot as a dual-threat quarterback if his other job doesn't work out because I still haven't caught him. Did either of you ever try to stay up? All night on Christmas to catch Santa Claus. No, because no. I never believed in Santa Claus. Yeah, neither did I. Well, you're the reason why his sleigh wouldn't fly in Elf. <laughs> I don't understand so a lot, why it's okay jerk. for parents to lie to their children about something like that. <laughs> I hope there's no kids listening. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but people who don't but believe in Santa Claus the are... The best board game of choice when you're trying to stay up all night is Risk. I was going to say that, too. Yeah, because I, I it takes that's a, why I said it first. It's, it's <laughs> not even because it's fun. It's because it takes a billion years. <laughs> oh, no, if you want to take a billion years, you play Access and Allies. I don't know that's what that true. is. That's true. That game is longer. It's like Risk, but longer. I played Risk it's, as a it's kid. It's like Risk, but with details. 
But there are the risk has shorter versions of it too. Like there's mission risk where yeah. you had to do certain things to win. If you try to just play risk, you'd be playing for like five hours. Only if you're bad at it. I mean, and I've Actually, done it. Actually, well, unless everyone's good at it. I played risk. Well, that's true. If everyone's good at it, it'll probably take forever too. I, yeah, it it depends on if some people are bad on it at it. The last <laughs> time I played risk, not only was a couple of us not very good, but the luck that one of the guys had in rolling dice was <laughs> stupid, and we all hated him by the end of the night. But it was a very short game. I had a game when I was a kid called Stratego that was okay. like, it was kind of like Risk, but it was like a shorter version. Like you could play a game of Stratego in an hour. But actually, if I were staying up all night to play a game, it wouldn't be a board game. It'd probably be a card game. Am I disrespecting the question? Uh, no, you did say board game of choice. Perfectly no, that's acceptable. that's different because you brought up an answer to the question. Okay. And then you said what you would rather do. What Andrew did is he waved his hand I like, the question. no. No, I wouldn't put marshmallows in my hot cocoa because I wouldn't have hot cocoa. Yeah, but that wasn't... <laughs> Daniel, you're twisting my answer. Well, I think we can all answers. agree that we would like to play, play Risk, but we'd rather have hot apple cider. <laughs> Darn straight. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's going to be it for our show today on that bombshell. So thank you for listening, and thank you to our sponsors, Oli Penn Real Estate and the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Subscribe, like, all of those different things. Hey, did you notice I actually posted some things on Instagram recently? Yes, I did. I liked what? them. Literally and figuratively. Oh. So, for my co-host, Justin, too cool for presents, Damashevitz. And my co-host, Daniel, short and sweet, just like a tweet, Hargrove. Which tweets usually aren't sweet, no so I don't know why I said, said that. No one said that about Daniel Hargrove. <laughs> and Andrew, I'd rather have apple cider, gross. Also, he's got a bag on his head. If you tell everyone who I am, it defeats the purpose. <laughs> listening to the scrimmage. Have you guys ever watched the 30 Rock, uh... <laughs> Sorry, this is off top. This is not. This is completely separate. I see the word presents and I think of it. But Tracy uh, Morgan does this thing where, like, he has a birthday party. Yeah. And then he gets there and there's no presents. And he's like, why aren't there any presents here? And his his big goons, Grizz and Dotcom, are like, well, we put it on the invitations just like you said. Give to charity. Please no presents. (laughs) And he said, that's not what I said. I said, give to charity. Please no presents. (laughs) 